0: Matthew thirteen twenty four through 30, and 36 through 43. Another parable he put before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then has it weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Then do what you want with us. Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed means the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all the causes of sin and all evildoers, and throw them into the furnace of the fire. Their men will weep and gnash their teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear the word of the Lord.
1: Sometimes it seems like it would be fun to be a settler. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it would be much fun at all. I mean, I like the idea of being a settler, like when you go into the untamed country and decide where you're going to build your cabin and you find a great place, you know, that's protected by the trees here and close to fresh water and maybe a creek runs past a spot with good, like, uh, you know, uh, like trout fishing probably, you know, and you find the spot and then you drive the stakes into the four corners and there you go. Like I like the idea you like you go you you first you know you're building a shed for the horse and the cow that you have and I don't know a donkey or a goose maybe I mean I don't know that much about the settlers if they need what they need or what they have I don't know probably not a donkey but I'm sure a goose don't you think yeah okay and then uh, you know the the great part you like you're making everything you need right from like trees and scraps of leather and like you know Tarpain probably and you make it all with an axe and like you're making a chair and a table and a couch and and you're breaking sod you know and you're planting it with the uh, like a crop or something you know and then you're like harvesting the weed and you're threshing and you're thrashing you know seems great and like, I mean but then on the other hand I think as much fun as it would be to you know um, make an ax hewn couch it does seem like kind of a lot of work. I mean, you know, everything about being a settler seems like a lot of work. And I don't mind hard work, you know, hard work in the great outdoors. But having my life and the life of my family depend on my hard work, that seems kind of stressful to me. You know, I mean, just trying to make it, right? Make sure you have enough food for the winter. And then there's the storms and the weather and the land, just doing whatever they want. And, you know, I'd be, like, walking around with a gun, hoping something will come along so I can shoot it. I mean, that really seems like a stressful way to try and feed your family. (coughs) And you know what? A lot of settlements failed. I mean, a couple families would spend months traveling to some place, just some vast expanse uh, in the middle of some bigger vast expanse of a place, and they would stop there and they would just like start settling. And they would build their stuff and they would plant their fields and they'd like have a hymn sing probably and hope other people would come and join their settlement. And if more people did, they'd build a school and a town hall maybe if they could keep it going. After a while, they'd have themselves a town. And, you know, the really good settlements would grow up to be like St. Louis or Chicago or Brooklyn Center, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, most of the time, that didn't happen. Most settlements failed. A lot of times it was because of the particular vast slice of wilderness the settlement was founded on or the founder picked just was not fit to sustain very many people like not enough things to shoot or poor soil. And eventually, people would start dying. And then, you know, like there's not enough people to help out with the harvesting or whatever they do. And then the remaining people, well, they'd just get out of there and maybe go join another settlement that maybe had a little bit more going on. But I guess to me, you know, um, to me, the thing that seems most interesting than if you actually had a successful settlement, was like kind of the failed ones. Because, you know, once you did all the fun stuff of making everything and establishing everything, well, then you just, like, settled in. You know, just lived every day trying to be more settled. And I'm not a very settled person myself. I think, like, after establishing things, I would start to get a little bit antsy. I'd want to go find some other place and pick out another spot to build another cabin and hew another couch. Yeah, I guess the thing that doesn't seem fun about being a settler to me is the actual settling. I have settlers in my background. I mean, I suppose most people do from around here. On my dad's side, they settled up in the Red River Valley, and I don't know much about them because my dad's dad died when... I was pretty young. But on my mom's side, way back, they settled in what's now Missouri. And I know a lot more about those stories because my grandpa told me a lot of stories, stories from his dad and his dad's dad. Franklin Lee Genevieve Webb was the son of Lee Franklin Genevieve Webb. Lee Franklin Genevieve Webb, or Jenny, as everyone called him, was the founder of a settlement in what's now Missouri called Webster. The settlement was not so much named after him as by him, which of course was his right since he bought the vast tract of land which the settlement started on and he paid most the cost of bringing out the original three families. Jenny had seen a notice himself at the post office in Newport where he had a successful shipping business. The notice said, New life and prosperity awaits you in the rich lands of the West. He went on to say that there was land available for hard-working individualists with the blood of an adventurer. In the process of negotiating the purchase, he found out that two previous settlements had failed at that exact same location. It was, in fact, the third time that the land dealer had sold the property, and since the first two hard-working individualists and all their fellow settlers had died. But this did not dissuade Jenny. He liked the idea of succeeding where others had failed. He did kind of have a knack for success. His shipping business started just three years earlier, had grown so quickly and was so efficiently run that it no longer really offered any challenge to Jenny. So the thought of creating something out of nothing in the harsh wilderness seemed just the right thing for him. The success of the Webster settlement was not as immediate or as graceful as the shipping business, however. Of the three families that came out, only one made it through the first year. But Jenny worked hard, and through notices in East Coast papers he attracted others. And after 10 years, more than 271 people lived in and around Webster, which now could rightfully be called a town. Jenny had started a sawmill that supplies lumber to the new arrivals and more lucratively to the US Army fort 60 miles to the north. The people of Webster had so much goodwill for Jenny that it was with concern more than anger or some demand for justice that brought the leading men of the town to his home after the second fire. It was clear, the men told him, that scraps and cutoffs from the sawmill had been piled up against the back wall of the livery stable and set alight. And while the livery stable was nothing but ashes, there were remains from the sawmill scraps that had not been completely consumed. Of course, no one, none of the men blamed him. Anyone could have done it, they said. But the thought of someone intentionally starting not one, but two fires, seemed a problem that the town needed to address. And while none of the men wanted to jump to any conclusions, young Franklin Lee was seen by Jake Ferguson, who worked at the sawmill, that evening loading up a wagon full of scrap. And no one said this to Jenny, but Franklin Lee was considered strange and possibly a disturbed boy by many in the town. Jenny immediately said to the men, let me call Franklin Lee and we'll ask him what he knows. Jenny was not a dull man and had always known what people in the town had said of his only son. But he had always thought his son was quite remarkable. And while he thought more than he worked, Jenny admired Franklin Lee for this, and liked nothing more than to spend the evenings listening to all that occupied the mind of his son. Franklin Lee was called, and when he came, his father set him down in front of all the men. The love and respect the men had for Jenny made it difficult to get to the point of the matter with Franklin Lee. So Jenny, trusting his son, his ideas and instincts completely came right out with it and said, son, these friends and neighbors of ours want to know if you set the fire at the livery stable and possibly the Munson's chicken coop. Franklin Lee said clearly, without hesitation, yes. The men, and this time Jenny with them, were a bit thrown by his straightforward admission, thinking he must be playing at something. His father asked him again, "Did you start that fire?" "Yes, both of them." "And was it, or and was it an accidental, or so, in some way an accident?" "No," said Franklin Lee, "partly for practice, and partly." for how it makes me feel. Completely unfamiliar with interrogation, as well as someone obviously imbalanced, it caused all the men to just sit there silently, unmoving, unable to pursue the matter. Franklin Lee, feeling none of their hesitation, filled the silence. Don't think that I am like some you hear about. I do not like to start fires or watch them burn. I'm not that sort. I like for something to have been burnt. I like to walk around in the ashes of something that once was. Something that was built for a purpose. Something that was needed or thought to be needed. It is not the burning, but the burnt that smells to me like oak. The lighting of fires and the burning are only necessary to find that place of clarity. Well, still the men and his father were unable to say anything. Franklin Lee continued, let me say that I admire you all and my father more than any. To make some place make a life out of wild ground, to build a town, this handsome a town from nothing. And now more than just good farms, and a mercantile, but many businesses, and a doctor, and a post office, a school, and a church, and the town meeting house. It is as if you've created a world from nothing. It is a gift that you have given to your families, and to all that would come to Webster. You're no longer shivering through the winters, hoping there will be enough food. Settled, you are. There is a measure of security in that and that is a gift I have received from you. And so, I wanted to give you all a gift in return. Father, Franklin Lee said, you've given me so much, and I want to give something to you. Now, one of the men finding his voice and his mind, having just caught up with Franklin Lee's admission, blurted out, What if someone were hurt? But there was no answer. Franklin Lee's mother, having listened from the doorway, spoke. Jenny, we need to get him into bed. He's sick. Some kind of fever, it must be. The men said nothing more as they left, except the one who repeated to himself, What if somebody were hurt? And people were severely burned when in the middle of that night, the straw and wood shavings and scraps that had evidently been placed and piled under nearly all the buildings on webster's main street some time before were set alight the fire was too great and the great amount of water needed to fight it was too far away it was the third settlement on that track to fail